This show is brought to you by the Email Laundry, making email safe for your customers. Visit www.theemaillaundry.com forward slash tublog for a very special listener offer and to have your MSP's domain filtered by the Email Laundry for free. Hi folks, Richard Tubb here with episode 17 of Tub Talk, the podcast for IT consultants. Now, this episode is a special one. It's not an interview. It's a recording of a presentation, uh, a very special presentation given by my good friend, Craig Sharp of Birmingham-based MSP Abusi. Now, Craig delivered this presentation at the Continuum European Partner event at the Churchill War Rooms in London. And the reason it's so special, especially to me, is that I was actually due to deliver this presentation. Um, That is until I was knocked over in a hit-and-run accident. Yep, um, the day before I was due to travel to London to deliver this keynote presentation, I was bounced across a car bonnet while I was out walking and ended up in hospital. Um, While I was taken out of action for a few weeks, thankfully, there was no permanent damage and Craig really, really good and kindly agreeing to step in and deliver his version of the presentation I created on building a remarkable MSP. So you can imagine while I'm gutted to have missed delivering this keynote, especially at the Churchill War Rooms, I'm very, very grateful to be here to tell you the story. And I'm hugely grateful to Craig for stepping in at incredibly short notice to deliver this talk. Craig, this episode is for you, my friends. So now, without further ado, here's Craig Sharp of Abusi speaking about what a remarkable IT business looks like. I am retaining the title of the presentation that Richard was going to give, which is how to become a remarkable MSP. The content is slightly different, but the theme is the same, and it was really warming to hear Michael pick up on some key themes that he couldn't have known in advance I was going to use as part of my presentation. He talked about local. He talked about how MSPs are seen as local and as trusted and as advisors. And I absolutely adhere to that. And I can demonstrate it in the presentation as I'll be talking about people who I've done some work with and who themselves are MSPs, yet we don't see ourselves as competitors. (laughs) The key reason for that is geography. So Abusi is based in Birmingham, and the people who I'm going to talk about are based in Sussex and on the south coast of, of England. The geography means that people in Birmingham are not likely to seek out companies in Sussex and people in Sussex are not going to seek out an IT support company in Birmingham. So firstly, I would encourage you to consider these things when you're talking to people today. We're not competitors in the room. We're people who are sharing the same experiences, and many of those can be passed on, and there are learning opportunities today. The other thing that Michael talked about was change, and he talked about being different, and he talked about embracing change. And the key theme of my conversation with you today is roughly in that area. It's about difference. It's about being different, and it's about making a difference to the people who you service. Uh, Coco Chanel, 
maybe not your go-to person for quotes, and certainly not in the same league as Michael's quotes from the great Sir Winston Churchill. But Coco Chanel seemed to say something that really resonated with me when I was considering this presentation today. In order to be irreplaceable, one must always be different. One of the things many MSPs really strive to be for their customers is irreplaceable. You don't want your customers to think that the service you're providing could be taken from anybody else. Maybe elements of it are similar, but for your customer, that connection, I think, is really important. And so I think Coco had it right. In order for you to be irreplaceable or begin to become irreplaceable, it's worth considering if you're different or if there are differences that you can make to your business. During the presentation today, what I'd like to try and do is talk about maybe there's an opportunity in this room for you to consider yourself, maybe you're a £500,000 turnover business or, or more, but maybe there's an unrealised £5 million business in the room. <coughs> Maybe by making some changes or offering some differences, both internally and externally, there may be an opportunity to raise your game. Everybody in this room is, is a successful MSP. There's always room for improvement and there are always opportunities that present themselves to be even better than you are. That's really the big difference between being a good and being a great MSP. I'm going to use some examples of that and I'm going to challenge you really to consider how you might take on board some of these ideas and implement them in your own business. So I'll be ending with a, with a challenge to you personally. But I want to talk about three MSPs that have experienced a, a business change, a personal change and also a cultural change. There are some lessons to be learned from these and also there are some really, really striking metrics which can be taken from those examples. We're also going to look at the results that have come from those changes. If you're different, it often offers you the opportunity to be better. And sometimes being different is better than just striving to be better. It also means you can be remembered. Um, there were some recent advert changes from Cadbury, a local company to the Midlands, um, and of which in the past I have loved very much. As you can tell, their chocolate is wonderful. Um, but Cadbury stopped selling chocolate and they started selling gorillas playing drums on a purple background. Those in the UK will get that. Any Americans, you'll just what? So Cadbury stopped talking about chocolate and started talking about gorillas playing drums with a purple background. But you now know that that's a Cadbury thing. And there's also been stories recently about how there's been a transformation in road traffic management, another highly excitable go-to subject of mine, where they're talking about taking white lines from the middle of roads, because it's been proven that people drive more cautiously and more carefully. These are just demonstrations of how when you do something differently, or make a difference to how you have done something in the past, some transformational changes may well be the outcome. And if you're remembered for doing something different, these bring added opportunity. I used to go to networking events, and probably all of us in here have been to networking events in the past. I used to hang a mouse, a corded mouse, around my neck. And it was on the basis that every time somebody looked at me, they'd see a mouse, 
whether it was there or not. And it would be remembered as being a technical thing. Oh, Craig's the technical person. You've just got to do something a little bit different. I like this, I'll let you read the caption. I had my own blog for a while, but I just decided to go back to incessant, pointless barking. I just think it speaks volumes, really, about how sometimes we just go back to what we've always done. We just go back to what we feel comfortable with and what we feel safe with and what we feel might have worked in the past and comfort and safe things are good, right? Well, maybe a bit of difference can throw things around as well. The, the first company I want to use as an example of how difference has actually had a significant effect is a, a company called Flying Fox IT. Any of you who, who are in this part of the world may be aware of Flying Fox, headed by a guy called Jonathan Fox, so it's not just a clever name. The background for Jonathan is that he, like most people, was a uh, you know, pretty good MSP down on the south coast with a strap line of we do IT support for SMEs in East Sussex. You could probably substitute that for many other IT companies throughout the country. We do IT support for SMEs in Bradford or Reading or Exeter or whatever. Uh, it'd been successful, but he'd had good times and he'd had bad times. He'd expanded, he'd contracted. And he just decided he wanted to make a fundamental business change. The, the process that he went through to make that change was that he wanted to identify a niche market. And there was a serendipitous activity that occurred, which is he got talking to somebody who was a, a zero. This is zero with an X. This is the new accounts software that many of you might be aware of who are challenging and biting at the heels of Sage. He was talking to somebody that had become a, a real advocate of Zero, and they'd invited him along to one of their ZeroCon events. It's like Comic-Con, but there's, it's, it's rather more boring because there's accountancy people there. <laughs> Less costumes at a ZeroCon <laughs> event. Um, and so he, he kind of thought, hey, you know what? Let's go and have a look at this ZeroCon event. It, it, it might be interesting. And, and so he found this new, potentially niched market and went along with, with pretty limited expectations. However, at the event, he was the only IT company in a room of 400 people. He was the only person who could actually implement any of the things that many of the people at the event had gone along to find out about. I'd say that was a pretty uh, uh, well-identified and underserviced niche. <laughs> and he left that zero con with 21 new opportunities, of which all of them were four or five-figure sums. I'm just going to let that settle for a moment. So if each of them was £10,000, he had 21 of them as an average. And he identified this market and it was not serviced by existing IT companies. He kind of struck gold. 
But he didn't do it by accident. He'd already identified that he needed to find a niche. He needed to break away from the traditional services that were being provided by a traditional MSP. Not, I'm not advocating that everybody suddenly becomes a zero IT support specialist, but this is a really good example of how sometimes if you make a change or break away from what perhaps you've done as a repetitive action in the past, opportunity can mysteriously present itself. You know that old phrase about you make your own luck? You've got to be open to the opportunity and open to exposing to new markets. This is his website now, and I don't think you could find any more of a niched and specific title for what his company does. He provides IT support for zero certified accountants, bookkeepers, and their clients. I just think that's brilliant. Because straight away, you've identified your market, you've created a much simpler marketing approach for your own business, if your business is modest in size with modest marketing budgets, you can straight away target at specific markets and not just be throwing marketing money in every direction. So we take away from this the first lesson about difference, which is don't be afraid to do something that's different to what you've done in the past. Just because the past has worked, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work in the future. And Michael's core theme was the rapidity of change. It was how things change so quickly that often you can't keep up. And so things that worked five years ago probably won't work in five years' time. What I will add at this point is that there, there is a, 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 an allowance for questions at the end, and I would encourage you at this point, if you have questions, to note them down and I'll be happy to answer any questions about anything I've spoken about or these specific companies um, near the end. So Flyfox IT identified a niche, went and looked at it, found it was poorly serviced, made a change in their business. They now trumpet that change on their website. The next example is where someone has done this. They've decided to think big and, and dream big, and there's, there's nothing wrong with that. This is a company called Southern IT Networks. They're, they're interestingly based not a million miles away from Flying Fox IT, uh, near Eastbourne. And Southern IT Networks is headed by a guy called Michael, Michael Freeman. And Michael lived a life that I suspect nearly every MSP owner in this room can understand and may well be living today. He was a CEO with virtually no holiday. He worked really long hours. He was way, way too integrated into the business. And he needed to make a fundamental personal change. And I think most of us in the room and those when you go to IT events of this nature will find the vast majority of the people in that room have developed in a similar way to this. When you work in a technical environment and you then find yourself running a business, it's kind of like that. You sort of start off as a technical person and then you accidentally go, oh wow, I, I seem to be running the whole thing now. How did that happen? 
and you kind of work in the same way that you did before. So you just put in increased hours, you just do more. You don't, an old BT, which was mentioned earlier, an old BT phrase is work smarter, not harder. So Michael's approach was, I need to be a bit smart about this. Constantly putting in hour after hour after hour is not going to work. It probably lead to some sort of health problem or at least uh, lack of holiday and grief from his wife and his kids and everybody else he knows. So the process that Michael undertook was a personal journey, but it focused very much around himself first. The difference that he made was he did not want to be as integrated into the daily business of his business as he had been up to that point. What he wanted to do was develop new skills and begin to move himself out of the daily activity of that business. He's not looking at every ticket that comes in. He's not managing every purchase that goes on. He's not getting involved in the daily, daily activity. What he was then able to do was empower and delegate to staff many of the tasks that he had done in the past. It brought about a cultural change within the business and that cultural change spread to things like deciding to move to new offices. He felt that the offices that they were in were quite modest and in a way they were a physical manifestation of the modest aspirations that the business had had. And so by being able to think a little bit outside of what he'd done in the past, by being able to make a difference in his business by leading from the front and by demonstrating that he doesn't need to be so involved, he really made some fundamental changes. The outcome of the work that Michael had done, and that's not a made up figure, I see you're reading it, but a 1,007% profit increase is not a made up figure, it's a real figure. Phone Michael up later and ask him. He also was able to land a £135,000 new client. And his technical director is now in the process of authoring a book regarding Office 365. Now, that came about because Michael himself wanted to make a fundamental change in his business. He led from the front and he decided he wanted to be a leader, not a manager. And, and those two words are often not seen as that different. But I think it's really important to see the difference between managing and leading. If you lead, you have to delegate. If you lead, you can't do everything. If you lead, you need to be able to empower people to make decisions for themselves. In essence, you have to let go. So to make a fundamental change in your business and to allow it to move forward, there has to be an element of letting go. The question and the challenge I put to some of you today is, can you? No one's saying you have to, but the question is if you want to make some differences and some changes in your business, then maybe you ought to. Sometimes if you hold on to something too tightly, it can get strangled. And I have seen IT businesses that have just reached a certain level and have never got any further. And if you analyze it, it's often down to the fact that the person running that business is not happy to let go. 
is not happy to release some responsibility, to release some ability for people in their business to be free from the constant interruption of their involvement. And they really just have to let go and give those employees the training and the empowerment that they require. For after all, we all know if you don't make any change at all, you will effectively go backwards because the world will pass you by. And as Michael said, the world is passing you by at an increasingly frequent and fast pace. Michael mentioned an excellent point about training earlier. He mentioned that um, there's a fear in the IT industry that you train your staff really well and then they leave. Well, think of the opposite. What if you don't train your staff and they stay? <laughs> and that, and that, that, that's, that, that's kind of as scary as training them and then leaving. If you just end up with the same people sat at the same desk with the same level of skill doing the same job for the next 10 years, well, frankly, I'm not sure you'll last 10 years because the pace of change will have moved so quickly. Even today, in 2006, we're only 10 years away from when the small business MSP community was still embracing Microsoft's small business server. And probably in 2006, we hadn't had SBS 2008. You know, just, just think now, small business server 2003, sitting in people's offices, working, the, the technical skill required for that, the, the level of involvement, all that kind of stuff. Just 10 years later, with cloud and other solutions, those kind of technologies are really starting to feel a bit old. Um, there may well be people in the room that have those kind of deployments and that's fine, but you're probably looking towards cloud or beginning to migrate. That's just in a 10-year period. And if we take Moore's law, things uh, increase exponentially over time. So the next five years will be as much of a change as the previous 10. But the takeaway from that slide is this. Don't fear training, educating, and empowering your staff just because you worry that they may leave. The biggest fear is that you don't train them and they stay. That's the thing to be mindful of. Okay, I'd like to briefly pause for a second to let you know about my new book, The IT Business Owner's Survival Guide. I'm the former owner of an IT managed service provider business myself, so I know exactly what it's like to struggle to cope with the day-to-day -day stresses of running an IT business. I know there are days or even weeks when you get frustrated and wonder whether it's all worth it to go it alone. I'm telling you, it doesn't have to be like that. The IT Business Owner's Survival Guide contains a collection of easy-to-digest guides and tips on how to cope with the common tasks that cause IT business owners worry and stress. If you want to learn how to save time, avoid stress, and build a successful IT business, then you don't have to do it alone. You can buy the IT Business Owner's Survival Guide from Amazon or visit itbusinesssurvivalguide.com and download the first chapter for free. That's itbusinesssurvivalguide.com. And Southern IT have a, a, a website which, again, very crisp, very clean, uh, really trying to get across the fact that it's uh, a company that is designed to be that trusted partner that Michael was talking about earlier.
At this point, I'm going to um, be a little self-indulgent and talk about my business. And the reason I've put this slide up is this is what we have tried to achieve within Abusi. We want people to see us more as consultants than the IT guy. The IT guy is a bit of a straitjacket, which we'll come on to in a moment. But this slide hopefully demonstrates that within that role of being a, a trusted advisor or a consultant, there are many different ways that you can help through knowledge and service and operations and offering solutions. So background to this is that 10 years ago, we were just a guy in the van with a screwdriver who would turn up when something broke. Uh, we would fix it and we would go away again and we would charge per hour. And that's kind of what most people did. We were also finding that we were trying to break into new areas, but were per persistently being let down by third party vendors, by other suppliers. You know, the telecoms industry comes in for a bad rap. But you know what? That's pretty justified in my mind. It's difficult to work with partners in that industry, I have found. We had a real desire to expand our, our services and our opportunities, but we needed to make a cultural change within the business to do so. And the cultural change was based uh, partly around an internal process, but mostly about how we projected ourselves to our potential customers and existing customers. So we sat down and we did some research about where did we go wrong? How had we kind of not managed to educate clients to the fact that we were more than just the guy with a screwdriver in a van that turned up when things went wrong? We, we really took a, a, a fundamental approach around the idea of selling. We, we stopped selling, which sounds as a, a terrible, terrible thing to say to people in this room whose role is sales. But one of the things that I've learned from my own business is be less technical, be less sales, people listen to you more. I use my wife as an example. My wife is wonderful. She is a very, very competent, high-level manager in local authority. She is not a stupid person. But I can get two sentences into a conversation about my day, and she will go, no, 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 hang on a minute. I have no idea what you're talking about. And if there's one thing, well, there are many things I'd like you to take away from today, but if there's one of the many things, is that what we never realize in this room is that people don't understand what we do. They really don't. And I'm gonna let you into a little secret which might rock your world. They don't care. <laughs> they really don't. They don't know what you do and they don't care how you do it. They just want stuff to work. Their primary motivation is do I pay the right amount of money and does stuff work? Because when it doesn't work, I can shout at you and tell you that you're charging me too much money. But as long as stuff works, I don't care how you make it work. So take that away, please, today. Sell less, be less technical, and understand that the client doesn't want to know about gigabytes, megabits, fiber to the cabinet, Etc. 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 They want to know: Am I going to get fast internet? 
and can you make it happen tomorrow? And how much will it cost? So we identified this, started being less technical, started being less salesy, tried to bring that into what it is that we were trying to do. And we identified some internal skills that we were underutilizing. So we're going back to Southern IT. There were some people in our business that were kind of, maybe sleeping giants is too strong a word, but they were, they were people with excellent skills, both interpersonal and technical, and they were just being underutilized and we needed to get more out of them. The, the outcome of this was that we began to become valued more by our clients. And we got to have the most important thing that you need as an MSP. We got to have more conversations with them. The one thing that you want to strive for as an MSP is a conversation with your customer. Because what you don't want is the opposite. Hello? Oh yeah, hi Phil, how are you? Yeah. Oh, oh you've, you've, you've brought a new phone system, have you? Yeah, okay. And, and that, oh, an IP phone system, so you need, oh, okay. You kind of can fill in the rest for yourself. What you don't want are customers phoning you up, telling you that they've sat with people and made a decision about a really complicated technical investment and you've not been part of that conversation. Because straight away the clock ticks and you're playing catch up. How am I gonna make this work? Because remember, technically, the people don't care that have just bought this product, how it works. They don't understand how it works. They just want it to work. And they will have said to the technical salesperson that has sold them it, don't worry, we've got a great IT guy. He'll come and sort that out. You need to be involved in conversations. If you don't sell, if you be more consultative, if you're less technical, you can get involved in conversation. That allowed us to build stronger business relationships with the business owners that we worked with. And so began this self-perpetuating cycle. When you build those stronger relationships, when you engage more with the people that you're servicing, when you have those conversations, you can build a better relationship with them. And we started to say that we were integrated into their business. Their business success was dependent upon our ability to service their requirements. More business advisor, less IT guy or gal. Part of the process to do that happens before we even engage with a new customer. The excitement of gaining a new customer when you've had an opportunity, be it a, an online inquiry or a telephone call or a referral, the desire to rush into the prospect, sign them up really quickly and feel comfortable that you've secured the business is, is almost too much to resist. But try. Because that period just before you sign them up is the most valuable opportunity that you get to define how you want to work with them. But it's also the most important time that you can explain to them how you'd like them to work with you. And I will be honest and say that I visited prospects and declined the opportunity. <gasps> Gasps from the salespeople in the room. How can you decline? It's really easy because you look at them and you go, you're gonna be an absolute nightmare. <laughs> Thank you very much for, your, for the opportunity, Clive. It's been lovely. I've learned so much about your business, but 
on this occasion, I'm really sorry, I'm going to have to decline the opportunity. Now, a couple of things will happen. Firstly, more often than not, they don't care. Remember the thing I said earlier? They don't care. The reason they don't care is because you'll be one of seven people they'll be seeing that day. They probably will have already made a decision based on price. And in my book, if you're making a decision as a service purchaser based on price alone, then you're definitely not somebody I want to be speaking to. And so they'll just go to the other six and go, which of you is the cheapest? I'll buy you. Thanks very much. Problem solved. Michael, sorry to keep referencing you, Michael, but I think it's important. Michael said earlier about how it's, it's, it's important to build the relationship. It's important to be seen as trusted. There's nothing more trusting than declining an opportunity. People will remember you. And if they go to a partner that doesn't offer very good service, that was cheap and easy at hand, and it doesn't work, they might phone you back later and then you can have another conversation with them and see whether there's anything you can do to kind of meet in the middle. But it's important to explain to people when you first engage with them that you want to be their IT partner, that you want to talk about things that are ongoing, that you want to invest in them, that you want them to understand that what you're there to do is take away the daily drudgery of their technology problems. And I want to be as broad as that and to not focus solely on IT problems. Because nowadays with bring your own device, with voice over IP, with cloud-based services, you are going to get involved in conversations that aren't just about network infrastructure, PCs and laptops. That, that's a really small part of what we do on a daily basis. We'll always have the problem of Maureen in accounts who can't get the printer to work. That's, that's always going to happen. Maureen in account. I, I use Maureen in accounts as a go-to person. I bet there's every, every company in this room has got a client that's got a Maureen in accounts. He's just a kind of ordinary kind of person. And you can picture what that person is. Or it might be a Derek in accounts if we're not being gender stereotypical. But they'll always phone up with a printer problem. And uh, it's usually because they haven't closed the lid properly. It's something really simple. That, that stuff's going to happen. And there are ways in which you can try to reduce the cost of support. But what you want to do is not be seen as just the people that do that. You've got to have conversations. You've got to be different to the people who are possibly in your same market sector. Being in Birmingham, there's a lot of IT people. We've got to try and be different to them. So the, the benefit of taking that approach, the benefit of saying to people, we want to be in conversation with you, we want to be your partner, we want to invest in you because your success is our success, has allowed us to do some things. One of them is this conversation that's been going on in the industry for a number of years about the convergence of voice and data. And everyone's talked about it, and some people have done it, but not that many have. We have 70% of our clients who have a voice over IP system which is installed and managed by us. You can see that I don't really get on very well with telecom partners, because we've kind of taken all their business away. If you own something, you can manage it better. 
If you own something, you can improve it for someone in, an, in a more straightforward way. If you own and manage something, the customer sees better value from you as the partner. Managed print companies are coming to this quite late. Managed print companies are knocking on the door of people like us because when they go and put a photocopier or a selection of printers into a business, they have an opportunity to touch about 5% of that customer's technology spend, printing. Managed print companies want to get involved in voice over IP, IT support, broadband services, network infrastructure. And so there's a growing trend, I don't know what it's like in the US, but in the UK, of large managed print companies going around buying up small IT companies. And they do it so that it allows them a greater opportunity to have a share of the spend at any given customer. But you can do that. You can build those relationships. You can have that conversation. And I appreciate that I have just decried an entire sector of businesses that are involved in telecom. But if you don't have the skills in-house, find a good partner and partner with them and build those relationships with your customers to say, we do more than just look after your computer and more in an accounts printer problem. We do this and we do that and we can do all of these things. It's all about demonstrating that you are no longer a commodity service. If you're a commodity service, you can be replaced tomorrow. So if all you do is offer a bit of reactive IT support, there will always be another reactive IT support company down the road that can do what you do for probably 5% cheaper. If you're a trusted advisor, if you're a, somebody that's having conversations with customers, if you're getting involved in early decision-making processes, that's a relationship that's really, really difficult to break. I'm not saying you won't do anything that might make that happen. You could just end up doing something really unfortunate and catastrophic, and, and, but, but hey, these things can happen. But I'll give you a tiny example, and this, I can't tell you how warm I felt when the phone call came through, because it demonstrated everything that I've just described. We have a large um, telesales company, 25 people, based in the centre of Birmingham, and uh, I got a call on a Thursday afternoon. Hi, Craig. Hi, Richard, how are you? Yeah, I hope you don't mind me asking, he said, but we're thinking of moving offices. Oh, no, I, I'm hope, I hope the next sentence isn't, and we're moving next Tuesday, because I've had that as well. <laughs> but we're going to look at a prospective premises tomorrow, Friday afternoon. I wondered if you might be available to come with us and offer your expertise about what's missing, what we might need, and what we might do to make it work for us. <gasps> I put the phone down and skipped through the office like a young lamb, which I won't demonstrate here. <laughs> now that, that was so heartwarming to me. Clearly I need to get out more if that really excites me, but it, it was just really good to know that the customer understood what it was that we can do for them and wanted us to get involved at an early stage. And it was, exciting to have that conversation because I have been in situations where clients have phoned up to say, we're moving a week on Tuesday. Can you get everything sorted for us? I'd rather have the first conversation than the second conversation. Um, and that's our website. And I've talked about 
difference today. It's almost the first thing on our website. We're proud to be different. And when we had our website redesigned a couple of months ago, the one thing I said to the design team was this. I will strangle you if there's a picture of a comms room, a network switch, or patch leads anywhere on the website. And there isn't. There's thought-provoking, sensible, I think quite clever ideas on the website. And we promote the difference. We promote being different. So at this point, there's a really dull slide which asks if anybody has questions as it offers me the opportunity to have a drink. Does anybody have any questions? It's all right, I'll only ask you to come up to the front and address them to the room. So don't, don't be afraid. Hmm. Sir, man with the black jumper on. Could be anybody. Um, um, do you charge for seeing the customer? Do you build that into your part of your IT services? I never charge to go and visit a customer. I certainly never charge to go and visit a prospective customer. And we take a view, uh, again, maybe no one's ever explained this, but this is something which I say to customers. So I'm never afraid of this. If you offer, a, if you offer an eat as much as you like, Monday to Friday, nine till five kind of service, then the rule is you've based that cost on the size of their IT estate. The bigger they are, the more you pay, the smaller they are, the less you pay. Which means every time they call you, you are losing money. So actually the trick is to try and reduce your cost of support to the point that the calls that come in are either very, very serious or you know, relatively low level and, and, and conversational. So what we try to do is make sure that we're so proactive that, that most of our engagement with the customer is not, can we fix this? Can we solve this? Can we deal with it? It's more, can I have a conversation about, here's something I've noticed, would you like to see if there's a service we could help you with that? And there's a myriad of things which gets your foot in the door, but there's a lot of compliance issues with legal and financial people, email signature compliance, archiving compliance. These are kind of really, okay, they're quite dull conversations, but they're still important to the customer and they're fee earning. So what you want to do is less more in an account printer problem and more can I have a conversation about fee earning and then to, to build on your question, you build a cost into the service that you've then had a conversation with them about so that you don't charge to have the conversation. Hopefully that answers the question. Anybody else? It's always good when you give a presentation and it's so well received that no one has any more questions. So I'll let you thank me later for allowing you to have your lunch slightly earlier, but I'll um, finish with a, a slide before we finish to summarize what we've spoken about really. So the lessons that we take from today's presentation, I apologize, I led you to think we were about to finish and you've had to stand up, sorry. Being different is good. What you want to be worried about is being the same as everybody else. That's what you want to worry about, not being different. Bland, well, broad is bland. If you try to offer too many things, you'll just get lost in the mix of everyone else offering everything too. Remember Flying Fox? How niche can you get? Zero certified accountants, partners and clients. Think about being specific and niche and not broad and generic. 
And in terms of Southern IT, lead from the top internally and show leadership. There has to be somebody that ultimately takes the reins. And if you have a vision of what you want to do, drive that vision forward. Doing nothing, frankly, is not an option. You have to be able to realize that change is required, embrace the difference, and move forward. Yes, there will be waves. Waves will be caused. Michael made a point about saying that technical people often fear change, and they don't want to relinquish responsibility. But it's amazing how transformational it can be when those two things do happen, and if they're managed correctly, quite a lot of positives can come out of them. And seeking help and seeking advice is not a weakness. I'm not a bad swimmer. Might not look like a swimmer, but I'm not a bad swimmer. If I decided to swim the channel, I'm not just going to rub a bit of goose grease on and crack on from Dover, Dover uh, Beach. I'm going to need a support team. I'm going to need a little person in a boat going alongside me to make sure that I'm okay. That's the sort of analogy I use. There's lots of things that you do day to day, but when you want to embark on something that's new and different and a bit bigger than normal, maybe you just need someone to help you there in the little boat at the side, going along with you, just to make sure you reach the other side, and then when you've achieved the goal, they can drop away. So my challenge to you is this. What are you going to do next? What is it that you can do to make a change in your business? Doesn't have to be big. Anyone know how you eat an elephant? One piece at a time. Challenge yourself today to make a difference. And uh, to finish with, if you've liked that presentation, my name's Craig Sharp. If you haven't, my name's Richard Tubb. Thank you very much. <laughs>
Use that link to have your own domain filtered for free for one year. And there's more to this special offer. If you bring on board 100 paying mailboxes during your first six months, the email laundry will give you your own domain for free for another 12 months. So that means two years of the email laundry service for your own domain for free. Sign up for the email laundry now using the special listener offer at www.theemaillaundry.com forward slash tublog. Hey team, this is Richard again. Just one more thing before you take off, and that is MSP Insights. Now, every Tuesday, I share my thoughts on the business of IT with you, the managed service community. Thousands of managed service providers already subscribe to MSP Insights. It's easy to sign up, easy to cancel. MSP Insights is basically a short email from me every Tuesday without fail with advice on growing your IT business, plus cool resources I found, discovered, or started exploring that week. It's kind of like my diary of cool things and often includes articles or books I've read, tools I've discovered and events I think you'd be interested in, often sent to me by my friends and Tub Talk podcast guests. So if that sounds fun, a short tiny bite of MSP goodness every Tuesday and you'd like to try it out, just go to go.tub.co forward slash Tuesday. That's go.tub.co forward slash Tuesday. Drop in your email and you'll get the very next one. Thanks for listening.